Good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Steve Aaron, and I have the pleasure of uh, serving as one of the Shepherds on staff. And uh, I'm thankful to be here with you this morning as we are continuing our journey through the book of Genesis. Uh, Josh and Heather just read for us Genesis chapter 48. Uh, and of course, next week we'll be in 49. And the week after that, we'll actually be in 50. Uh, and then we can close our journals for the last time, maybe uh, applaud ourselves, pat ourselves on the back for making it through this long journey uh, in this foundational books, uh, foundational book of our Bible. Uh, I hope that uh, as we have gone through this, that maybe in your journal you have put in some notes and some things that uh, we as a church can look back to and thank God for uh, the time that we've had here uh, in the book of Genesis. Uh, I was thinking this past week uh, about the story of Genesis and really uh, stories as a whole. And I think it's safe to say that all of us love some type of story. Uh, whether it comes to us uh, in a book or a magazine article or maybe a, a blog post online, maybe you watch Netflix or Hulu or you hear a good joke or whatever it may be, we all love to hear or to see, to listen to a good story. And really what makes a good story is obviously you've got to have good characters. Uh, you've got to have a storyline. You've got to have some conflict. Uh, but what really makes the story, what drives it home uh, is the resolution, if someone were to tell you a joke but not give you the punchline, if someone said knock, knock, and you said who's there and they'd walk away, you'd wonder what was going on with that. If someone uh, uh, told you a story but they wouldn't, they wouldn't drive it home, you would wonder what the story was about. Uh, you know, we think of typical movies, uh, maybe you think of a sports movie. If you're a sports movies fan like I am, it always follows the same uh, formula. You're always going to have the team that plays uh, in the beginning and they think they're going to do well. And of course they get crushed by about 50 points and they go back to the locker room and they slam their uniforms against the, the locker and they say they're never going to play again. Uh, someone's going to come and give them a, a pep talk and uh, then there's going to be about a five minute montage of music. Of They're working out and they're perspiring and uh, they're practicing and they're trying to get better. And then we're going to come to the last game. And of course they're playing the same team that crushed them before and uh, you know, they're about to lose and they hit the winning shot at the end and they win the championship. And we leave that movie and we think to ourselves, well, you know, that was pretty inspiring. Maybe you've watched a love, a love story. Uh, you know, typically it's the guy who's been friends with this girl and, you know, he's in love with her and he, you know, he wants her to know that he loves her and uh, wishes, you know, he's committed to her and wishes that she would feel the same way. Uh, maybe there's another guy in the picture, whatever it may be, but he's just hoping that somehow this girl will know how committed and how much in love with her that, that he is. And then you'll always get them, again, they will get the musical montage and she'll show up at his door and say, you know, I should have loved you all this time or whatever it may be. And what happens is we say they ride off into the sunset and they live happily ever after. I'm sure we have some fans in here of DC and Marvel movies. Uh, those are always the same. Uh, the bad guy's always a second away from pressing the button to destroy the world. And I never know why he presses it, but he's always super close. And somehow the superhero is going to escape out of his chains and he's going to show up. He's going to destroy uh, the bad guy and the world is going to be saved. Now, that, that, that may be, uh, those may be simple illustrations, but really what drives those stories home is that you've got to have the resolution. If the team doesn't win, if the guy doesn't get the girl, if the world isn't saved, we would scratch our heads and ask ourselves, what did we just watch? Why did we just spend uh, time watching that? Maybe there's a show that you watch, Apple TV or whatever it is, and you come to the end of, this, of the season and it's the last episode and you're hanging on to every word. And at the last second, the show cuts off and you slam your fist and you say to yourself, there's got to be more than that. Maybe you're like me and you go on Google and you try to see if there's going to be a season two. 
We all need to have the resolution to our story. Now, I looked at the schedule this past week. We've actually been in the story of Genesis since April of last year. So if we stretch it out a little bit, almost, uh, almost a year and a half that we have spent looking at the story of Adam and Eve, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. We spent a year and a half in this long but foundational story that has principles uh, that are actually developed in our stories. Does anybody remember Cliff's Notes? Uh, well, it looks like we all use them. Goodness. Uh, nowadays we have Google, so you know we don't have we can find anything online. But when I was I was in high school, I think it was my junior year, uh, we were assigned a tale of two cities. Well, you know I'm not going to read that. So <laughs> I don't think anybody would want to read that. I'd go, you know, you'd go, you'd get Cliff's notes and it was like a little pamphlet and it gave you like, you know, the plot and the characters and t- kind of gave you some talking points so that when you showed up to work, I mean to school, um, you know, kind of, kind of sounded like you had read the book. Well, I got some news for us this morning. There's actually a Cliff's notes version to Genesis. Now I know we just spent a year and a half in this book and you're probably saying to yourself, wait, we could have gotten through this faster. In Hebrews chapter 11, we actually, could have gotten, uh, we actually could have gone through Genesis in about 22 verses. And in fact, we could have gone through uh, most of Genesis in three verses. And we could have been done. Here is what Hebrews 11 says. If we wanted to have the Cliff's Notes version of Genesis, if we were in class and they asked you, what is Genesis about? If we wanted to summarize it, here is what it would, we would say. Hebrews chapter 11, 13 says this. These all died in faith not having received the things promised. Wait, what? These all died in faith, not having received the things promised. You mean to tell me we just spent a year and a half in a book, and when we get to the end, nobody received the promises that were given to them? Uh, Harking back to to our illustration about the movies, that's like going to the movie, and the team doesn't win, and the guy doesn't get the girl, and the world isn't saved. You mean to tell me we just spent a year and a half in this book, and nobody gets the promises? Well, Hebrews uh, is actually going to give us, it's it's a hall of, Hebrews 11 is what we call the hall of faith. And it's actually going to give us examples of men and women who have given their lives uh, to saving faith. And they've proved that. Uh, proved that. We think of Noah. It, it mentions Noah when he, uh, when he built the ark. And some believe there was no rain up until that point. So by faith, he believed that rain was coming and he built that ark. It talks about Abraham and Sarah when God said that they were going to have children. And he was 100 years old and she was 99. And by faith, they believed that. It talks about Enoch who walked with God. It talks about uh, uh, women whose uh, children were raised from the dead. It talks about wars that were won, revolutions that were started. It talks about all these amazing things. What is the one act of faith that you think is mentioned about Jacob, or the, the, the man of whom we read this morning? Maybe it was when he had the dream and he saw the angels coming up and down uh, the ladder. Maybe it was when he wrestled with God and he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Maybe it was when he uh, uh, worked on, on his flock and his prospered and his father-in-laws did not. What is the one act of faith that you think that it would mention? Well, Hebrews chapter 11, that same chapter, verse 21 says this. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. That's the story that we read this morning in Genesis chapter 48. You see, Hebrews chapter 11 tells us these all lived their lives following the Lord and they never received the promises that God had told them that they were going to have. 
And yet when, when Jacob is about to die by faith, he still gave those promises and he still gave the blessing to the sons of Joseph. Now I want to set the scene for us for, uh, for a minute. Uh, Jacob has spent 147 years of life on this earth. And as we'll see in a minute, he's lived a hard and difficult life. And he's lying on his deathbed. And some believe that he is so weak, he can't even lift his head off of the pillow. And someone goes to Joseph and says, uh, your father is about to die. And so he grabs his two oldest sons, excuse me, and they walk into the room to be blessed. And Joseph, uh, Jacob, his eyes are so dim He can't even tell who it is that is standing in front of him. And what we can say Genesis chapter 48 is, is somewhat a deathbed confessions. Or if you want to call it, uh, you know, living truths from a dying man. Jacob is about to pass from this earth and he never saw the promises. And yet by faith, he is about to pass those promises on to uh, his grandsons. Now, we might look at that life and we would think to ourselves, what would cause a man to spend 147 years following something if he was never going to receive those promises here on earth? Well, if we look at this chapter, what we'll find is we are going to find some bedrock truths onto which he held that helped him in his life, though he was never going to see the promises. The first thing we're going to see is that God is a God of promises. He's a God of covenant who keeps his promises. We notice in verse 15, he talks about the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked. Now, he doesn't mention Abraham and Isaac for respectability or for clout or to, you know, for, for them to respect him because he's in the line of Abraham and Isaac. What he's doing by mentioning his, his grandfather and his father is providing a link that connects and identifies faith. In other words, what he is saying is I am in the same line of Abraham. I'm in the same line of Isaac and I am, and I am in the same line and I'm receiving the same promises. And he looks back and he remembers the times that God made the same promises to him that God had made to them. We think of uh, chapter 28 when he has that dream about, and, and the ladder and the angels are coming up and going down. And God says to him, just like he said to Abraham and Isaac, he says, you're going to be a blessing to, to multiple nations. He says, you're going to have the land. Your, your seed will be like the stars in the sky. He remembers that promise uh, when, when he speaks to Laban after the years of working for him and, and being deceived to get, uh, to get the daughter that he wanted. He actually got another one, had to work again. And he's about to leave somewhat contentiously. And he says to him, the God of my fathers, he has been with me. When he's about to see Esau and he's fearing for his life after all those years after deceiving him. And he thinks that he might die. He prays to God and he says, God, you promised me that I was going to be a blessing, that I was going to have the land, that my seed would multiply. Before God sent him to Egypt, God reiterates, reiterates it again. He says, you know, Jacob, you're being sent to another land, but I still am keeping the promises that I made with you. And, and Jacob holds on to the bedrock truth that when God makes a promise to him, he is assured that it is going to come to pass. He holds on to that, knowing that though 147 years of his life passed, he will not see those promises fulfilled. Then he says, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day. And what he is saying is that God is a guide who shepherds us. Now think about, think about Jacob's life. Uh, here was a guy who uh, schemed with his mom, basically, to deceive his dad to get, the, to get the blessing. Then runs for his life from his brother never sees his mom again, doesn't see his dad until he's on his deathbed, goes to a land and works for someone whom he loves, 
only to wake up the day after his wedding and find out that it's, that it's uh, somebody else. Then he has to work another seven years for the one whom he loved. Then he works for his father-in-law, runs from him, runs into his brother and is afraid that he's going to die. I mean, this is, I mean, you talk about a reality show. I mean, put that one on Bravo TV. That one, that's, a, that's an amazing life. And then he says this in, in, uh, in verse 7. As for me, when I came from Padan, to my sorrow, Rachel died. You think about after he had his 12th child and the, the woman whom he loved, for whom he worked 14 years, she dies. You talk about the lowest part, the lowest point in your life. Then you come to verse 11 and he says this. I never expected to see your face speaking to Joseph and behold, God has let me see your offspring also. Not only did he have the low experience of his, of his wife dying, but he had the high experience. Imagine never seeing your son, thinking that your son had been torn apart by, by wild animals. And yet one of these days you actually find out that he's alive. And not only is he alive, he actually has children and you get to see them. I mean, I, I can't imagine the joy that he had throughout all of his life. Throughout all of the deception, throughout all of the running, throughout all of the hard times and the good times, at the end of his life, he said, the Lord shepherded me. Do you remember what he said last week uh, when Darren was speaking, what he said to Pharaoh when he, when he came to Pharaoh? He says this in, in chapter 47. Uh, Pharaoh says to him, how, uh, basically, how old are you? He says, the days of the years of my sojourning are 130 years Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life. He's like those people that come to you sometimes and they say, man, my life is hard. Maybe he wore some of the scars of the years of his life. Maybe you could see some of the sweat and the worry. Maybe he had some wrinkles from all the, all the heartache that he had faced in his life. And he tells Pharaoh, my life has been hard. And yet on his deathbed, about to pass from this earth, to never see the promises in this lifetime, he says, you know what? It was hard. But the Lord was my shepherd. He guided me. He knew that God was a God of covenant who keeps his promises. He knew that God was a guide who shepherds him. Then he knew that God also protects him. He says uh, right after that, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil. And what he is saying is that he's speaking of God. He calls him the angel here. He's saying, God has protected me my whole life. And we just went through the life of Jacob and we saw all the ups and downs and we saw all the deceptions and we saw all the scheming and all the running. And at the end of his life, Jacob says to himself, the Lord has protected me. Not only did the Lord protect him, but then... He knew that the, Lord, the Lord's ways are right, though they're unexplainable. This is probably one of the more well-known stories when Joseph brings his sons. And Jacob, who can barely see, crosses his hands. And maybe Joseph thought to himself, man, you know, my dad is about to pass and he can't see. He's sure, as we would say, he's got his wires crossed. And the Bible says he tries to force his hands to, be, to go the right way. And he says, God, uh, he says uh, uh, Dad, I think you got it wrong. You need to turn your hands the right way. And Jacob says, I know, my son. I know. After all the years uh, of, of God leading him, he knew that God, what God was doing, was, that this was the right way. Now, in all, in all the commentaries I've read and messages I've listened to and books I've read, most agree that there's nothing special about crossing the hands, meaning... Jacob did it because he knew that that's how God worked. In other words, this was the fourth generation, if you, if, we, if you remember our study. This was the fourth generation that God had actually put the younger before, before the older. 
Uh, when Isaac was born, Abraham, Abraham, Abraham already had another son, and Isaac was put first. When Isaac was born, then he was put first, and Jacob was born, and he was before Esau. Joseph should have known that this is how God works, because he is the 11th son. He was put above all of his brothers. And now we come to Ephraim and Manasseh, and the same thing happens. And basically what it is saying is that, you know, we don't understand. We would think it'd be the older before the younger. We would think that things would go the way that they're supposed to go. And yet Jacob says, I know, my son, I know. In other words, I know what I'm doing. I got this. This is the way that God works. Jacob had lived his whole life and had never received the promises. But he stayed faithful because he knew that God was a God of covenant who keeps his promise. God was a shepherd who guides God, he protects, and God works in ways that we don't understand. Now, you might sit here this morning and you say, well, Steve Aaron, you know, that's a great study, and you know, I've written some notes. Thanks for that. What does this have to do with me? One of the things I love to think about, especially as, as, uh, as uh, years pass, uh, and I guess you can say I get, get more experience in life, is speaking with other believers, you start to think about, you know, maybe when you first came to Christ, how excited you were. Your sins were forgiven. There's a new uh, home in heaven. Uh, you've been washed by the blood of the lamb and uh, you're justified and, and now you're a child of God and now you have so much to look forward to and you're so excited and it seems like the songs, they, they sound different. The, the Bible, it's wide open and God is speaking to you in ways that you just can't comprehend and, and you're on this journey. You think to yourself, this is the greatest life ever. But then life happens and days pass and weeks and months and years, and you think to yourself, wait a minute, when are these things going to happen? Now you, now you have all these temptations. Now the things that you used to say yes to, you have to say no to. Now you have to say yes to things you didn't even know about. Now you have uh, anxieties and fears and doubts, and now you say to yourself, well, wait a minute, I seem farther from the promises of God than when I first got saved. And we journey our lives. One of the things I love about being shepherd of adult fellowship groups uh, is I get to speak with people that have followed the Lord for 20 and 30 and 40 and 50 and 60 years. And I always ask them, uh, you know, how is it that you remain faithful? And you get all these various answers. But typically what they say, you know, for the most part, they'll say, you know, it is hard. But it's by the grace of God. We all are on this journey. And we, like Jacob, we are not going to see the end of our story. We're not going to see the team win the championship. We're not going to see the guy get the girl. We're not going to see the, the world saved, so to speak, in our lives. Because in our lifetime, we're not going to see those promises fulfilled. What is it that we hold on to that helps us as we go about our lives? Well, first of all, we have to hold on to the fact that God is a God of covenant who keeps his promises. If you've been with us this whole journey through Genesis, you remember the promises God made to Abraham. And he left his land and went to a land uh, that he didn't even know about. You were there when, we, when God gave those same promises to Isaac. And you were there when God gave those promises to Jacob of whom we study this morning. I want to read for us Galatians chapter 3 verse 29. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs... According to promise. You know those promises that we've been studying about for a year and a half? Maybe you've gone through this book and you think, good night. You know, this, this study has gone forever. Like, I, you know, how long are we going to have this journal? You know those promises that we've studied with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob? Did you know that those promises are also for you? 
You say, oh, but Genesis is so far away. That's a different culture. That's a different land. They did things I don't even agree with. Man, I, you know, maybe you've been disgusted by some of the things that we've studied. But did you know that the promises that God gave to them were given to you? Those promises are in a much more universal sense. God always designed that the promises given to them were also given to us. I want to make sure I give credit where credit is due. We have a great teaching team here on staff. And we were talking about, about this this week. And they pointed out uh, to me that, that the sons of Joseph were Egyptian. You know, they were half Egyptian and obviously uh, half in the line of Jacob. So they were not full, uh, if you want to say full, not full in the Jewish line. But it was always God's plan that he was going to include a people of a different nation and a different tongue. And, and his promises that he made to them have brought in more universally. And every single one of us that sit here this morning are, are a part of the promises of God. And though life seems hard, and though life seems difficult, and though faith seems so far away, we can remember that God keeps his promises. Secondly, we remember that God is a, is a, is a guide who shepherds us. Every single one of us this morning, whether you're in this room or online or in the tent or the well, wherever you may be, God has meticulously and providentially and sovereignly and carefully with precision woven your life and guided you to be exactly where you are this morning. This past week, uh, I just turned 40, and you'll probably tell by the gray hairs, uh, or as I tell people, I turned 21 for the 20th time. Uh, you know, you got to make yourself feel better. Uh, it's good math, by the way. But uh, I, had, I had this uh, time, these couple of days before I turned 40, I was alone, and uh, I was sitting in this picturesque, perfectly curated garden. I go, I go there, I sit on my favorite bench, and I get to pray and process and read, whatever it may be. And so I had a couple of days, and I was able to do that. And I was thinking about my life, and a, a, a memory kept coming to my mind. I remember when I was 21, and I had just graduated college, and you know, you have some unfounded confidence, and you know, you think you have your whole life ahead of you, you know, you think you're going to rule the world, and man, I'm going to do all this and that. And if you had asked me, and people did ask me, if you had asked me what I was going to do, I would have said, well, you know, I'm going to get married, probably to this girl I was dating at the time, I'm going to get married, and then I'm going to have some kids, and probably own a home, and you know, two or three cars, and, uh, you know, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to do all of these things. And as I sat there on that bench for those days, I kept thinking to myself, not a single thing that I thought that I was going to do happened. Well, one happened out of sequence, but uh, not a single thing in the way that I thought was going to happen happened. And I admit, I kind of got discouraged. I thought to myself, man, I thought I was going to go that way in life. And I ended up that way. And then the thought occurred to me, some joy overcame me because I thought to myself, you know what? I saw where God had moved me and I thought to myself, I am exactly where God wants me to be this morning. And you'll forgive me, I do not in any way mean to make this about myself. But what I'm saying is that every single one of us this morning could stand up and we can say, you know what? God has led me every step of the way. Maybe you lived your whole life here in Fullerton. You say, my parents came here. I came here. I married somebody from here. I have kids coming here now and grandkids or whatever it may be. Or maybe you say, you know, I got moved across the country or I got this and that. Every single step of the way, God has directed you. He has shepherded you. He has made sure that you are here today because he wants you to be. 
And though our lives seem long, and though our lives of faith seem that it's never going to happen, we can find comfort that God directs us. And as we leave today, and as we go about our lives and our weeks, and we age with the years, we can remember that whatever comes along our lives, that God has shepherded us. And we're reminded of Psalm chapter 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Then we remember that God is a God who protects. Now, obviously, God protects us physically, but that's not always guaranteed. And so what I want to read this morning is Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And what I want to say this morning is that God is going to protect you to make sure that you make it to the finish line. You see, what happens is we get saved by grace and we're so excited about it. But then we want to live our lives in our own strength. And we forget the grace that saves is also the grace that makes it uh, possible for us to make it to the end. And so when we get uh, filled with doubts and we get filled with anxieties, and may I say this, that is all a part of life. I, don't, I, I grew up in a system where they would tell you that if you had fears or anxieties, you weren't close enough to God or you weren't reading your Bible enough. I want to tell you this morning, that is not right. That is wrong. We, are all, I, we can prove from the Bible that we're going to have fears and anxieties. That is a part of the Christian life. But we can be sure that God will protect us until we make it to the end. God, he protects us. And then we remember lastly, and you probably know what I'm going to say. We can be confident that God's ways, they're perfect, though they are mysterious. How many times, like Joseph, have we looked up to God? God, your hands are crossed. The right hand is supposed to be over there. The left hand is supposed to be over there. And maybe like Joseph, you try and grab God's hand and you say, God, it's not supposed to be like this. God, I wasn't supposed to, uh, uh, we weren't supposed to have divorce. We weren't supposed to lose the house. We weren't supposed to have cancer. We weren't supposed to have all the things, these things happen to us. And you say, God, I think you got your wires crossed. Do you even know what you're doing? And God says to us this morning, I know, son. I know, daughter. I got this. Oh, so many things happen in life that we just cannot explain. We all could stand up this morning and maybe you're going through something right now and you're thinking about it and you're saying, God, I don't even know what you're doing. I think your hands are crossed. And God says, God says to us this morning, I got this. It's going to be okay. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they never saw the completion of their stories. Hebrews chapter 11, we read this morning about these all died in faith, not having received the promises. There's actually a second part to that verse that I want to read for us. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. You know, we talked about the movies and about how the team needs to win, the guy needs the girl, the, uh, the, the world needs to be saved. And in this life, we said, there, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we're never going to get the fulfillment. We're never going to get the things promised. But the Bible tells us they had faith because they looked afar. And they saw that at the end of their life, all the things that God had promised to them were going to come true. And because of that, they considered themselves as strangers and exiles on this earth. And we too live this life 
and we never see the promises fulfilled. And we go through the hard times and we ask if they're even true. And yet we look afar and we see 1 John chapter 3 that says one of these days we'll be like Christ. We'll see him face to face and we will be just like him. And because of that, we're strangers and we're exiles on this earth. Reminds us of the old Sunday school song, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures, they're laid out somewhere beyond the blue. And that is how we live our lives. That because we do not, that, that though we know, will not see the promises that God has promised us today, we will see them one day in the future. And as we go about our lives, we hold on to the fact that God is a covenant God who keeps his promises. That God is a guide who shepherds us. That God, he protects us. And that God, though we don't understand the way, the way that he works, God, he lead, uh, his ways are right. And then we come to verse 21. This is the last point. Then Israel said to Joseph, behold, I am about to die, but God will be with you. Jacob says, my life's over. My journey of faith, it's done. I'm about to pass off the scene, but Joseph, God will be with you. And I say to us this morning, we can be confident of the fact that God, his presence will go with us. We spend our whole lives living this life. We, hold, we have the scars. We have the wrinkles, the gray hair. We have all the, the battle scars from living for the Lord. And we say to ourselves, when will the promises of God come true? We see a, a, a new creation, a new heavens and a new earth. And we see the ruling and the reigning with God. And we see them from afar. And if we hold on to these truths... Then with confidence, we can say with the old songwriter, there's a land that is fairer than day, and by faith, we can see it afar. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your son and for drawing us to yourself and for salvation. Lord, thank you that we have promises of a new life and one of these days ruling and reigning with you. But Lord, sometimes it seems so far away. Sometimes it seems so unrealistic and we wonder if it's even true. May we remember that you are a God who keeps your promises, that you are a God who shepherds us. You are a God who protects us and you are a God who, though we don't understand... Your ways are always right. I pray, Lord, that as we journey on this earth, that we would hold on to those. And until that time when they become a reality, may our souls look up with a steadfast hope. And may our wills be lost in yours. Amen.